Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. Well, today we continue as it is quite apparent in our series on the this portion of scripture that we often refer to as the Beatitudes, or the series of blessings that Jesus was talking about to the people around, around him, to his disciples, the crowd that was gathered in front of him. And we're looking at verse 6 today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I think that when we read these words, we need to realize that these words mean to us something different from what they meant to people in those days. You and I say, I'm hungry. That means, well, we could use a snack between breakfast and lunch. We say we're thirsty. That means, well, you know, I could use a little bit of orange juice maybe. But I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the people that were sitting in front of Jesus that day. A normal, let's call it in modern terms, employee in those days will be able to afford one main meal a day assuming the work is good. But sometimes, unfortunately, when things happened, they may not have enough for that. Say they were skipped a few days. Because after all, if they have to eat, they eat. If they don't have to eat, they don't eat. If we just look around in our world today, we find out that we are the minority on the face of the earth. And we are so incredibly spoiled that we can't make it for an hour or two without eating or drinking. And we are so spoiled that if we go to work and we don't get our break where we can get a snack or something, we feel like, whoa, poor me. But think about people that have not eaten for the last five days. People that may not eat every day because that's a majority of the population on, this face, on the face of this earth. Those are people that when they get some food, they really are thankful. But if you were like that, if you were in that situation, if you needed food so much because you haven't been eating for the last four or five days, or more. If you need a drink so much because you've been traveling on foot through the deserts of Judea, the dry land and the wind and the sun is heating on you and the wind is beating on your skin, throwing sand all over you. And if you have your mouth open, that sand will get in your mouth and dry up your mouth, mouth even more 
than it was before. And you know that if you don't find a source of fresh water within the next few hours, you may just collapse in there and never be able to get up again. That is what the Greek in this passage is talking about. The way it's worded, it doesn't mean being hungry, meaning I could use a little snack. It doesn't mean being thirsty like, well, you know, I can use a little juice right now. Or my fix. As around here, people like to say, with a cup of coffee, because I can't do without. No. The way the Greek is worded there, it means starving because you die. It means thirsty because if you don't get a little bit of water in your system, you will be dead. That's what that hunger and thirst that that particular verse is talking about, the way they're worded in the original language, that's what they convey. They convey a serious need, a need that makes all the difference. It means a craving, a desire upon which our life, our very survival depend. You know, a starving person is hardly distracted. Have a person has been traveling in the desert without food or drink for several days and, and put in front of them a little table with nothing on it except for a piece of bread and a glass of water. And then put another table in front of them with a huge pot of gold and ask them, which one would you prefer? You see, the starving person has a single, all-consuming passion for that food. They're thirsty for that water. They don't care about the gold right now. They can't eat the gold. They cannot drink the gold. Nothing is going to come that is any, of any value from that gold. Now, you might find somebody going by the, the food and the water table and then go by the gold table if, if they can, but they will always put the food in the water first unless they're complete fools because otherwise they would die. That means that nothing else has the slightest attraction or appeal Nothing else can even get the attention of that person who is starving and thirsty at that point or at that level. So the question I want to ask you today is, what are you starving for? The question I want to all of us to ask ourselves is, what do you thirst for? What do you think you absolutely need in order for your life to continue? You see, what we're talking about here today, it has to deal with desire, with passion, with ambition. But it also, and especially, it has to deal with the direction of all that. Now, I don't need to tell you that every single person in the world was created with a sense of emptiness and need embedded in us. We are continually dissatisfied because there is always something more that we need. There is always something else that is necessary. 
we have innate in us that sense of emptiness, that sense of need, and somehow nothing seems to fill that. And that is because we are made in God's own image, aren't we? We are created to have a relationship with him. And only him can fill that emptiness, can fill that need. Nothing else on the face of the earth can ever create that satisfaction. It's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. It just will not fit. And yet, without the revelation of God, we don't even recognize what we need. We have no idea of what will satisfy us. Without God telling us, we will continuously look for something to fill that emptiness, to fill that gap that we feel within ourselves, to find some source of satisfaction somewhere. But when we are right there, when we feel like we finally got it, it always leaves us with a bitter taste in our mouth. It's never quite right. It's never quite enough. Here's what the Word of God says. In Isaiah 55, and verse 2, is written, Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Do you notice what it says? It says, Why do you waste your resources to find something that seems like it would fill you, but it's not really bread and it will never fill you? Why do you waste your time and your wages for things that don't satisfy? That's what we tend to do all the time. That's what our life seems to be all about. We want attention. We want people to serve us. We want people to minister to us. We want people to take care of us. We want people to fill our needs. And yet, we are never, ever ever satisfied God says you're eating the wrong stuff you're drinking the wrong stuff but if you listen carefully to me I'll give you what is good I'll give you what satisfies fully in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13 is written for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the fountain of living waters, and they hew for themselves cisterns, broken containers, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Imagine having a pot of clay that you want to gather water in because you need to carry it with you. But the pot of clay is cracked. And the more water you put in, the more water will fall to the ground. That's the way we feel. That's the way we are when we try to fulfill that emptiness, when we try to fill that sense of need that we have in us. That's the way we are. We are just like a cracked pot of clay that leaks everywhere. And we can't hold that water in. And by the way, <clears throat> there is another aspect about the imagery in Jeremiah because the cisterns that he's talking about, usually they will be carved in stone. <clears throat> And they would contain stagnant water. And you know how stagnant water is. Maybe good the first day. But go there the fifth day. Or the tenth day. And you start seeing all sorts of stuff crawling on it. 
and the color starts changing. It's not very good water, is it? But God says, I can give you living water. I can give you fresh, crystal clear water. You don't have to go and find your own ways. You don't have to try to, to, to gather and fill your thirst with something that will never quench that thirst. And in fact, something that will eventually contaminate you and make you sick. You see, what the problem is, that instead of seeking that relationship with our Creator that we are made for, we try to satisfy our emptiness with false gods of our own making. And I'm wondering, what is our God today? I'm wondering what, uh, what kind of idols we are creating in our life that lead us away from God with which we try to replace that relationship that we need with God. What do we tend to hunger for? Without God, well, we are a mess. But there are some special things that we tend to hunger most for. Well, look at Satan. Actually, actually, by that time, he was Lucifer. Lucifer was created as the top of the archangels. His name means the bringer of light or the luminous one, depending on how you wish to translate it. Brilliant creature that God made. But the brilliance and those qualities went to his head and he said, well, you know what? I don't have to be second best. I can be first. And what I can do is I can ascend to the highest in the heavens and take over because I can be God myself. You see, he was thirsty for power and control. Does that sound somewhat familiar? What kind of power and control are we thirsty for? Do we want to be in control? Do we want to be able to tell everybody what to do? Are we the ones that know it all? Hey, if you don't do things my way, you are dumb. You know, that's a thirst for power and control. That's a sat satanic approach because that's what Satan did. That's exactly what Satan did. But you know what happened to Satan? He was cast down. God says, no, Satan. First of all, you're no longer Lucifer, the brilliant one, but now you are the adversary. You made yourself that way, so take your place. And your place is in the pit. And you were cast down. So every, is it surprising that every time that we try to take control and we try to, actually to, to gain power that we find ourselves falling? There was a saying I remember hearing when I was a kid. The highest you go, the higher you go, I mean, the harder you'll fall. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon. He looked around his kingdom and he saw a beauty and the glory of his kingdom, an incredible palace in Babylon. 
awesome. And he started thinking, look at what my glory has accomplished. He was seeking praise. He was seeking fame. But then one day a voice from heaven came to him and said, "Uh uh-uh, you need to learn a lesson, the book of Nazar. You see, your spirit will be taken from you for a while and you'll just become just like an animal. And you will live with the animals like an animal. And so for some reason, somehow, God showed us what we are without what he gave us. And he took away from Nebuchadnezzar what makes us like God for a time. And he's lost, he lost not only his wits, he lost all the attributes that God created us with so that we would have a relationship with him. And there he was, only to be shamed by living, chained like an animal. The king of Babylon, the biggest, the best, the greatest, It's nothing like a beast. Then after a while, God restored him, but not without that lesson. Who's really the greatest? Who's really in control? Who's really sovereign? Not you, Nebuchadnezzar, but the Almighty God. Look at the Jesus, what he taught us about the rich man who was accumulating all sorts of wealth. And he was looking at his, his... accumulation and his wealth and all the assets that he had. He was looking at these storehouses and how full they were becoming. And he was filling them up that day. And he was thinking, ah, I will finally find my peace. And Jesus said, you fool. You don't know that tonight your life is going to be taken from you. And who's going to enjoy all those assets? Who's going to enjoy all those storehouses full of blessings nobody other people actually will but not you because you don't realize that tonight your life is going to be taken back see he was looking for wealth and for the security of wealth but that never came You see, we hunger and thirst for the wrong things, rejecting the goodness of God, and so we end up losing both. We lose the goodness of God because we don't crave for it, but we also lose the things in this world that we crave for because they are not meant to satisfy us. They are not what we are created to need. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 to 17. I think he spells it out very clearly. 1 John 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all the things we run after, all the things that we crave for, it's not from a father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away, and also its lusts. 
but the one who does the will of God lives forever. You notice that? If we continue to search after those things that the world seems to offer us, we're going to be dry. We're going to be even more thirsty, even more hungry. But if we do the will of God, but if we follow him, if we search for him, then it says we're going to live forever. So how should we hunger for God? How should we thirst for him and for his righteousness? As Jesus says here in Matthew 5, 6, blessed. And blessed is in the sense of happy too, yeah. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Notice the way David expressed it. In Psalm 42, in verses 1 and 2. Here in Psalm 42, verse 1, David says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I want you to think about David for a moment. Remember, David from a good section of his life, was running. For quite some time, he was running away from Saul. And as he was running, he was out in the countryside. And you know, you don't have gas stations. You don't have rest areas. You don't even have the fountain that you can go and push the button and drink the water or turn the, the faucet and, and gather the water underneath. You had to go around and look for a spring somewhere to be able to drink. And there he is, under the heat of the sun. You think it's hot in here in the summer? Well, you haven't experienced that heat reflected by the sand all around you. No water inside. You take your skin that you have been carrying and you look for some water in there and you find that the skin itself is dry now. And the sun is beating hot. And the wind dries you up. And you look around, you hope to find some, some greenery somewhere that will tell you there is some water there. But you don't see any. Or maybe you see some greenery, but you don't find the water. The, the water may be quite deep in the soil. And so you start longing for that. You start longing for that oasis. For the springs of living water. They are called that way because without them you die. That fresh, crystal clear water that comes from a rock, that flows from a rock in that spring, is called the springs of life. And that's what you long for. And David says, just like the deer pants for that, just like I, I crave for that water when I'm in the middle of a desert, so my soul pants for you, God. When shall I come and appear before you? You know, when he said that he was talking about going to the temple to appear before God, to worship God. Man, 
You know, try to invite people to, to worship God and you'll see what they tell you. Take my nail. I would rather you take my nail than, than go in there to worship God. Look at the difference in the attitude between that and David who says that he would long to be in the temple worshiping God just like he longs for that water when he's in the middle of a wilderness. And Jesus says that's the same attitude we need to have for his righteousness. But it's not just a partial righteousness. It's not the righteousness that we put on just like the appetite for an apple or the thirst for some juice in the middle of the day. No, 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 no. That's not the, the hunger and the thirst that Jesus is talking about. That's not the type of righteousness that he's talking about. That would be the righteousness of someone that says, okay, I'll give you this to help you out. See how good I am. How good I am because I've done one thing right. That doesn't cut it. Now, what he's talking about here is real and absolute starvation and a burning thirst. That's what that passage is talking about. And that's the emphasis that he places on that righteousness. This is a complete righteousness. It's not about being a nice person. It's not what it's all about. It's not about the good that we can do. That's not even that. doesn't cut it. It talks about total righteousness that can only be found in Christ and in his presence in us because he is the only one that can have that type of righteousness. You and I have already forfeited when we turn our back to God. And without him, we wouldn't have it at all. That righteousness can only be found in Christ and can only be found in us through Christ abiding in us. And we're talking about being righteous in Christ, not just doing something right. You know, there's such a difference. Give me a person who makes a mess, but has a righteous heart. I'd much rather have that than a person who does everything right, but doesn't have that heart. This verse here is talking about being righteous, not doing righteous things. It's a difference in that. In Romans 3, verse 10, we are reminded that there is no righteous person, not even one on the face of the earth. Jesus did not say, blessed are the righteous. Did you notice that? In Matthew 5, 6, Jesus did not say, blessed are the righteous. Because he knows that we are not. Rather, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who realize that we don't have that righteousness within us. Those who realize that we need the righteousness of Christ in us and therefore long for it. And long for that relationship that we can have in Christ so that that righteousness will be also be in us. Why? Why are they blessed? Why are they Glad? Why are they celebrating? Why are they happy? Because they shall be satisfied, Jesus says. In John 6.35, Jesus said to the crowds, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Then go to Christ. Because in him you will never be hungry again. 
Oh, you may get hungry physically, but you will never be hungry in your heart. You'll never be feeling that emptiness, that lack, that need that we tend to experience. Because we will have found what we are made for. In John 7, verse 37, it's written, Now on the last day of the great day of the feast, he was in the temple. And in the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. That is pretty awesome, isn't it? That's pretty awesome because, wow. Imagine being that thirsty. And imagine being so satisfied that others will find that satisfaction around us as well. When he met the Samaritan woman, John 4, verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, the water of the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, for the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So not only God has given us that privilege of being created in his image to have a relationship with him. Not only has he given us the honor and the awesome blessing of being able to have that relationship with him, not only he has quenched our thirst and hunger, but then he has told us, you can be a blessing too. Because if you are in me, then you'll have rivers of living water flowing from you, meaning you will have people around you gathering around and say, tell me, I want to know. I want some of that too. And you will be able to lead them to the fountain of the living water, to Jesus Christ himself, to the source of life itself. Jesus told us, search and you will find. And yet we keep searching in all the wrong places, in all the wrong directions. And we don't find. And we remain dissatisfied and angry and upset and frustrated. And we cringe. I want something. But we'll never find it because we look in all the wrong places. Jesus says, search and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Who do we ask? Ask and you will receive. He doesn't want to starve us. He wants to feed us. But not just feed us. He wants to satisfy us. But not just satisfy. He wants to fill us up. To the point that we will become a blessing for others. And be able to share with others. Of that living water. So what are we looking, longing for? Or better yet, who are we longing for in our life? Look at your days and ask yourself, what am I seeking right now? What am I searching for? Am I being like Satan who seeks control and power? Like Nebuchadnezzar that seeks praise and fame? Like the rich man that is counting on wealth? All of them lost everything. Or am I like... Jesus wants me to be. 
seeking him and his righteousness above everything, including my own life. Because then, as he promised, then we are going to be satisfied. And not just us, but everyone around us as well. You have in yourself right now, we all do, you and I have in ourselves right now the power of making a choice, a decision. And that decision is, I will continue to pursue the things in this world and make myself and everyone else around me miserable. Or I can find that and tap myself to the source of a living water and find myself truly satisfied perhaps for the first time in my life, truly filled, truly satisfied, and become a blessing to everyone around me. That's the choice we have. And the good news, the good news is that neither you nor I have to become good because only God is good. But we have to welcome him and allow his goodness in us to be displayed and to work out. It is his light in us giving light around. Let us pray. God Almighty, Father in heaven, Lord and Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for sharing yourself with us. We thank you so much for pouring out your love in us through your presence in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you that that love may be our deep and profound motive. We ask you that that love may be what moves us, what gives us the energy to go about every day, to look at the people around us and make a commitment to be a blessing to them. Because we have been blessed by you. Please abide in us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with that living water that you promised to give us. A well of water, a deep well of water that will spring up to eternal life. For us and for those whom you will give us the honor to reach out to. Thank you for making us part of your fellowship, for sharing that oneness that is characterized by your love with us. And we ask you, Lord God Almighty, that you would touch and move our hearts to respond to you, and that you would transform our hearts so that they indeed will become springs of living water. This we praise you for and thank you so much for in Jesus' name.